Hello and welcome to the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete, a show where two friends review a randomly chosen American Top 40 episode from the 1970s, the most interesting decade in pop music. My name is Mark Roback, and with me is my friend and co-host, Peter Gardo. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Hi, Mark. Well, we're back in the dog days of summer. Global warming's here, I guess, because it's pretty warm out there. Let's see. Right now, it's 93. Yeah. So the temperature's gone down. I don't think we broke the record of 98 today. That was set in before global warming in 1948, <laughs> 1933, according to the paper. Did you go outside today? Uh, yeah, I, I went out. I had to bring the garbage out. Uh, yeah so it was interesting i haven't cut my grass in over 30 days and it's green you know it's uh, a little long and uh my neighbor across the street who pays someone to do it his is you know they, they scalp it and it and it's dead dead right now it'll it'll come back you know the, i guess the guy that cuts the grass he's got to eat too okay yeah and uh so they just cut the grass and and it's 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 ridiculous you know so think of all the global warming i've stopped because i haven't run my lawnmower okay <laughs> since since the uh, uh, beginning of july yeah i remember reading a story somewhere where there was somewhere probably california or something where they're having a drought seems like they're always having a drought but uh you know they were prohibiting people from watering the lawns and this one guy had this beautiful green lawn and his neighbors reported him. And then they came to investigate and they found out he had food colored his lawn green. <laughs> so. Yeah, but 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 to make food coloring, don't you have to use water? Yeah, yeah, I guess. But it's, uh, you know, you apply it and then forget it. <laughs> because if it doesn't rain, I guess it's not going to come off for a while, you know. So, but that, that, uh, that's unlike people that color their hair. Yeah. You know, because it will grow out, I guess. Ever, co- ever color your hair? You don't have to. No, I never have you. No. Not even in the 80s, you didn't get some new wave. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I might have put peroxide in it to make it really blonde. Oh, know? really? Huh? You know, so it could yeah. be like the police. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. That was, <laughs> was the eyebrows ago. are always still dark, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, so what's going on with you? Anything good? I went to the dentist this morning, just a routine checkup. Uh, yeah, the dentist. Oh, your choppers. You got good choppers? Yeah, yeah. The dentist said a finer physical specimen she's never seen in all her years. So for, <laughs> You're the greatest for, dancer. Yeah, for an, for an 80-year-old man. <laughs> but uh, Oh, good. And then uh, I was down in the gym here at my apartment complex. I, I worked out and I had the TV on and I was scrolling through the, you know, the on-screen TV guide and I saw... Superfly go by, which wow. came up in our previous episode. <laughs> I didn't watch it. I probably should have, but uh, probably should have. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, just a quick update from a couple of our loyal listeners on topics that we discussed and were not sure about or whatever. So, uh, Dave K. He texted me to say that it was actually Ray Parker who ripped off Huey Lewis for the uh, Ghostbusters song. 
and he yeah. sent me the quote Wikipedia article to prove it, which if you believe that, <laughs> that I guess they, uh, the Ghostbusters people wanted Huey to do it, but he refused. So they said, hey, Ray, can you write a song that sounds like I want a new drug? Okay, so it went that way. All yeah. right, I thought I thought it went the, went the other way. All yeah. Right. So, sorry, uh, Huey. Yeah. So, but the, the good news for you is you were right about something else. Mike, Ching. Mike T texted me and he said he was uh, listening while he was uh, riding on the ferry to his uh, destination. He said that the uh, Ponderosa Ranch on Bonanza was located near Carson City, Nevada, which was on the, that's on the shore of uh, Lake Tahoe. And he said, yeah, if you watch the beginning of Bonanza, you know, the, they show the map and then it starts burning. Yeah. And, uh, I, I thought of and I found and maybe I'll put it in the show notes. There was an episode of Benny Hill where they did a skit and it was supposed to be Bonanza in French, like it was dubbed. And in the beginning, they show a map and it's a map of New England that starts on fire. <laughs> you can actually but, but see. Carson City's not on Lake Tahoe. I mean, there's. The, it's the two, it's it, not it's, on it's it. Down, it's, it's, it's down the it's down the Sierra Nevadas. It's it's more in the valley than. So, well, yeah. The big, is it the big valley? No, that was, I think, near uh, Sacramento, <laughs> wasn't it? I, I don't. I never uh, saw the big valley. Never? Uh, yeah, it was no. decent. But, see my shirt? Oh, yeah. Six mil. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was on the big valley. Yeah. Yeah. He was as Heath. Yeah. yeah. Anyhow, so as you can tell by that long conversation, <laughs> uh, Pete and I have been friends for a very long time 30 plus years. Uh, we met in college and then ended up working together for a long time. In each of these episodes, we'll review all 40 songs in the Chosen Weeks Countdown and provide some factual information on each song, as well as our personal opinions, stories, and comments related to it. At the end of the episode, we'll provide our individual choices for the best and worst song, a song that we think will torture the other guy that we've labeled the agonizer. And we will give our individual A plus through F grade for the entire countdown. Since nobody has the exact same tastes in music, our opinions on individual songs may be controversial, but we otherwise intend to keep the conversation light, humorous, and hopefully entertaining. And remember, this is just a discussion, not a competition, so please no wagering. All right. Today is episode number 14 of the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete. And this is the American Top 40 from the week ending July 31st, 1976. The title is Moonlight Feels Right, But the Afternoon is a Delight. All right. So what were you doing around the end of July 1976, Pete? All right. Well, the date book is kind of quiet. Hmm. All right. And so I, 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 I have the date book here. The whole week, it's my father, I think, put something on the wrong date. But next month, we went on a kind of an epic, uh, epic uh, auto trip out to the Midwest. And we'll save that for next year whenever we, we bump into the middle of August 1976. If we keep doing this else, uh, it'll be a big secret to those of you that didn't grow up in the house I did. Um, but <laughs> okay. um, but on the 24th, uh, which is the week before this, uh, it says soccer. All mm-hmm. right? It said soccer. Well, you know, I played soccer, but soccer season was in the fall, typically. So all I could think of is that I go see the local soccer team, the Bicentennials. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and, and I, boy, I had a hard time finding the NASL 
uh, schedule from 1976, North American <laughs> Soccer League. Yeah. Um, and I thought we'd seen the New York Cosmos and Pele was playing for the Cosmos. And I went it another time. All right. And maybe we did. But on that day, the 24th of July, 1976, the Bicentennials played at the Yale Bowl versus the Toronto Metro's Croatia. Hmm. All right. And so I, in the back of my mind, I can remember going to the Yale Bowl for that. Now, I'd have to look at the at the photographs or the slides or, or something, you know, get photographic evidence of that. But that's the only thing I could think of. OK, mm. now the uh, the uh, Bicentennials typically play their games at the stadium that we've talked about in the past, Dillon Stadium in, in, in the big city that yeah. you grew up in. Um, but I think we I think we took a road trip down to uh, down, to, down to the Yale Bowl. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's it's funny because I I would not have even thought of that until you mentioned it, and then oh yeah, I remember the bicentennials. Sure, yeah, yeah. 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 So um, they later um, became the the state name bicentennials and played in the Yale Bowl the next year. Uh, they left uh, Dillon Stadium, and then they were sold, and they became the Oakland something and others, and eventually went out of business. But there was a, a, a soccer team in the NASL that you probably would have been a big fan of, the San Diego Jaws. Oh, yeah, I don't remember that. Yeah, well, they failed, and they and they went to Las Vegas and turned into the Silver Tones or something, yeah. and then they failed again and went back to San Diego and stayed there for a number of years as, as something else. Yeah. So, but the uh, – so that's that's it with, with the date book, but – but I did look at the gas logs, and and the gas log shows that the 1972 Volkswagen bus got gas in Cape Cod on August 1st, 1976. And, and I remember that my two older sisters went on a bike trip on Cape Cod that week, and I, I called one of them. And I got the poop that um, my two oldest sisters and their two friends, Wendy who had long brown hair and Ginny, who had short blonde hair. <laughs> they drove the, the family Volkswagen out to Hyannis and they, they stayed in youth hostels and they rode their bikes to like for four days. And then went to Chatham and up to Toro in, in back. And I guess they, uh, being a good girls, they took down the gas mileage and, you know, the amounts and stuff. And we'll talk about that later, uh, with the economy, but, um, so I, I, I had remembered uh, that they had done that. But myself, I, I was starting the sixth grade. Bicentennial had just happened, you know, earlier this month. And, um, you know, there you go. Yeah. Anything I, um, for you? Um, you know, not not too, too many specifics. Like you said, the Bicentennial, I remember that fairly vividly and, and kind of leading up to it in, you know, in the school year, talking about it. I did... I think I might have mentioned the last episode that uh, my wife, Gail, she kept, when she was really young, she called them spy books, these little notebooks that she jotted some things down. And then uh, later she kept journals. And I, uh, for her wishes, I got rid of her journals, but I saved the ones, you know, that when she was still relatively young. And I, I had one from 1976 and uh, you know, not going into personal details too much, but uh, I noticed in there, there was a lot written about her going with her girlfriends and one of her girlfriends uh, had her own car and had a CB radio in it. And there was a lot of talk about, oh, we talked to this guy, you know, Firebird and <laughs> for a while. And it was like, kind of like a, almost like an online chat 
thing going on back then with the CB radios. Oh wow! Yeah, wow. yeah, that's great. That that yeah yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah yeah, that's a sign of the times. It got CB- bigger after that. Yeah, yeah yeah. I, I can remember that vividly though. You know the the song that came out and remember the when they went from up to 40 channels for cb radios what was it 14 before that yeah and ruby vine oh, which, yeah. which was always selling cb radios that's for, right for railroad salvage yes yeah but it, did they say something at the end of the ads always or i'm thinking of uh betting barn near you but i, I thought he I thought he had said something, but there was Choo Choo Vine. It was Choo Choo Vine, his wife at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Choo Choo and Ruby Vine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's see. That's where I I figured out where Turner's Falls, Massachusetts was, because that's because that was the last one on their list. Like, where Uh, the heck is Turner Falls? I mean, that's north of Deerfield. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. I remember them saying that. And yeah, as a kid, you're you are like, you know, I don't know. You go past Springfield and you fall off the end of the earth or something. You know, it's like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I heard someone say that Springfield was a dump. Uh, yeah. That last was week. On, that was on our, what is that? The yep. other podcast there. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, that was, they were doing a live thing and I, it was me who chimed in and said, oh, you've lost all the Springfield listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think I had to go back to work or something during that. So. Yeah that's well that's good that that that's kind of cool with the about the cvs so yeah I never but had I, a CV radio. yeah but i did you know glance through uh just some of the other her earlier notebooks from the earlier 70s and i think there's going to be some fun stuff in there in the future because she actually had some pictures like pasted into one of them of uh Bobby Sherman and and uh, Donny Osmond. So <laughs> just make sure they line up with the calendar. That's yeah, an important thing. Oh That's yeah, dated and stuff. Yeah. So were there any headlines going on, man? Yeah, yeah. So a few things um, around that time. So on July 16th, the rock duo of Loggins and Messina broke up after being together for six years. Mm-hmm. On July 19th, the uh, British rock group Deep Purple disbanded. Mm-hmm. And of course, we know they would get back together. And uh, I saw them in the 80s when they got back together. On July 27th, delegates who attended an American Legion convention in Philadelphia began dying from a form of pneumonia that would eventually be recognized as the first outbreak of Legionnaire's disease. Uh, I remember that vividly being in the news. Oh, yeah. And then uh, there was an episode of Quincy where they kind of alluded to it. Uh, because and it turned out that one it was a convention of all the you know coroner guys like Quincy and then they all started getting sick and it turned out that one of the coroner guys wanted fame to and so like oh I figured it out and it turned out he was poisoning everybody oh so he was a rogue coroner yeah yeah so then on uh, July 30th, Bruce Jenner won the gold medal in the men's decathlon at the 1976 Summer Olympics. It was a big deal. You remember he was in the Wheaties commercial? Oh, yeah. Uh, and then, no, he... uh, then they had the John Belushi on Saturday Night Live did the parody where it's like, you know, he trained for six years and he downed a lot of donuts <laughs> instead of Wheaties. <laughs> No, I never, I never, never saw That's that. That's good. Yeah, maybe I'll throw that a link I, to that. In, I, but... I do remember Bruce Jenner. I mean, he was the toast of the town. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Something else. 
Yeah, he would later. Now, now, now he's something else. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of those things where I, I always say, like, if they could tell you back then what was going to happen in the future, you'd be like, be serious, will you? Mm. Even I I was watching a uh, episode of Laughing and they were joking. They did their like thing. They do like, oh, the future news. And, and they were they were saying, oh, President Ronald Reagan, you know, like it was a joke. <laughs> well, I did that on The Simpsons with President Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Remember that. So, yeah, you know, well, so yeah. maybe there maybe Nostradamus is out there. So, yeah, uh, tr truth is stranger than fiction. Yeah, something. Yeah. And then uh, on uh, August 10th, the uh, musical Annie had its premiere performance, making its debut off Broadway. At it's the a hard luck. Yeah. Yep, it's yep. a hard luck <laughs> yeah and it was uh yeah it opened at the goodspeed opera house in uh east haddam i've never been there have you no i have not i've only yeah. you know kind of seen it <laughs> okay anything in tech back in 76 uh yeah um in july i didn't have an exact date for this but the uh, first laser printer is introduced uh the ibm model 3800 it, it was actually the first one shipped in july mm -hmm. and on july 20th the viking one lander successfully landed on mars at 11 a.m. Eastern time, that would be. Was it Eastern or Eastern Daylight Time? Standard time. <laughs> Good question. Yeah, I could probably figure it out from the UTC time, but we'll, we'll, we'll move on. Okay. <laughs> so anything going on in the economy? Yeah, just uh, I'll mention just a few stats. The, uh, the unemployment rate was 8.5%, which is pretty tough. Pretty and, yep. Yep, and the inflation rate was 8.7%. And the cost of a gallon of regular gas was 59 cents. And I'm curious if this matches up with your real-time data there, yeah. Pete. Well, like I was saying on uh, August 1st, uh, one of my, our, my sisters got uh, gasoline on Cape Cod for the 1972 Volkswagen bus, and it was 63 cents a gallon. So 12.2 gallons were purchased for $7.70. And that would give you, a uh, from the previous fill-up, uh, 21.2 miles per gallon for a Volkswagen bus. Yeah. A lot of highway miles going from this area to Cape Cod. The day before this, or two days before this came out, in the big city, gasoline was purchased for the 1974 VW Dasher, and it was 57.9 cents a gallon. Oh. 10.1 gallons at $5.85 for uh, miles per gallon of 28.45. So it kind of averages out. Okay? It does, yeah, almost cents. exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that's it. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but one thing I found interesting is that the cost to register a car, because it's in the book, the, <laughs> the log book, is was twenty one dollars and seventy cents. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And now, now they they throw all these fees on there: clean air, global warming fee, you know, uh, yeah. you know, tire fare, you know, the, casino uh, fee. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, I think the last time I registered a car, I think it's still for two years. It's like 170 bucks yeah yeah now what's 170 bucks in you know well, i don't even know why we have to register cars you know what why do they care it's to collect taxes yeah that's what yeah. it's all about because because yeah. the thing is is they're not going to pull you over if you if you anymore yeah okay because yeah. you're afraid yeah. of, of causing an incident yeah of course, I'll say it again. I, I thought the hokey pokey was that's what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So what was on TV? 
Yeah, so um, CB, you know, CBS, ABC, NBC back then, of course. Um, on a Wednesday. Yeah, on a Wednesday, so August 4th, 1976. So on CBS, you had a, a, a special at eight called George M. And that one was uh, featuring the music of George M. Cohen. And then uh, there was... I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy. Yeah, exactly, that type yep. of stuff. And then at nine on CBS, you had a, a drama called To America, and it basically followed some some immigrant families i guess from what i could gather on uh, abc remember the immigrant skit from uh national lampoon on the record that's mm -hmm. not funny that's sick i don't remember that no it, it was the same record that had mr roberts on it oh uh, okay oh. that one i do remember yeah yeah how much is a stamp i'll buy the gd stamp <laughs> <laughs> wimpy wombly wambly <laughs> <laughs> yeah the bass player he was interviewing right yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i always remember the one line it's like uh egg muffin no they get uh, mr robinson or what, whatever mr. he was roberts called. roberts yeah. goes uh oh now it's you know off to the magic kingdom and the no way place. man it's yeah. early in the morning yeah. for me <laughs> exactly. I, I bet i bet we could repeat that you know line for line yeah it was always yeah. on the comedy hour yeah. On, on PLR. So what was on ABC? Um, so at eight, you had the bionic woman and the episode was Angel. Angel uh, of Mercy. Angel of Mercy and season one, episode two. So and, and it had Andy Griffith as the yep. guest star. Do you remember that episode? I remember that one because I'm wearing my six million dollar man t-shirt right yeah. now. And I remember that one. So it was a repeat. So everything else is a repeat except for the two America. Remember yeah. that one where they went to Central America and, and Andy Griffith was uh kind of played a surly guy and you know you always think of him as as mr nice guy and in, in andy griffith's show and and matlock okay but he yeah. could play sons of guns you know yeah 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 no he was a he was a, you know like a lot of these actors that just do you know are known for a comedy they can they had acting chops as well for sure yeah. Yeah. he would have been great as a killer on colombo i think yeah yeah um so speaking of, speaking uh, of killers. killers uh at 9 p.m you had beretta and the name of the episode was the glory game and it was a uh, season two episode two and the synopsis of one made me go oh wow tony beretta is framed for the murder of a suspected gun dealer and becomes a fugitive to clear his name <laughs> so, yeah we we talked about um the, uh uh what's Beretta's real name oh god <laughs> um yeah well yeah. uh well, yeah him him <laughs> it'll come we to talked me. about him with on another episode oh with with the song uh from you know that was on the charts oh yeah Beretta's keep your song. eye on the sparrow yeah 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 with, his, with it, when he was on johnny carson that i saw it it was just like oh this is you know once yeah. again th th there you go you know th this episode okay and him on johnny carson that time in 1974 was kind of the future also yeah 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 exactly let's see at 10 p.m you had starsky and hutch in an episode called death death ride <laughs> that's right is that what it was okay yeah what yeah. do you what, do you have your carriage return line feed turned off uh, yes What's i must I, I must have done something so then so yeah, um, you had to print it out like that uh, you have a printer uh i do I, yeah. the first laser printer came out this uh week in 1976 <laughs> yeah it's probably a little <laughs> newer than that <laughs> Yeah. And anyhow, on NBC, we had Little House on the Prairie, Best of Sanford and Son, Chico and the Man, The Return of Aunt Connie, and Hawk. I don't remember Hawk, but 
it says here the best of Sanford and so Lamont nearly gives his father a real heart attack. <laughs> yeah. That's a big one, Elizabeth. Yeah. So I when I you know saw that I had to put that in here, the synopsis of that episode, because I remember that vividly. And then I, I went and looked up because I was like, was it an urban legend that he actually died of a heart attack and people thought he was fake. Oh, yeah. No, that's it's not, not it's absolutely it's true. Wikipedia. Yeah. 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 He was, yeah. He was uh, doing something with who's the woman that he always did work with. Uh, it was his girlfriend on Sanford's son. Um, Lena Horn. I think, I think so. Or Lola Falana. Lola Falana or Lena. Yeah. One of the two. Yeah. 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 And, and, and he actually was. Yeah. But uh, I was. Yeah. You know, this this might be a little dark humor, but I was thinking to myself, well, I'm a widower, and so can I start doing that? <laughs> Gail, this is the big one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't don't do that to me. I, I we're miles away. I you know, I can't do the Heimlich maneuver from here. Yeah, but uh but I, I think Gail would get a kick out of that. So yeah. so be it. So did you go to um did you go to the uh the movie theaters at all? Did you go to the Rialto Theater to see? Um, you know, I, I glanced through the movies around this time and it was a real desert in terms of recognizable movies out there. But I did want to note on June 4th, Ode to Billy Joel came out and that starred uh, Robbie Benson and uh, Glynis O'Connor. And it's based on the 1967 number one hit song by Bobby Gentry. And it was directed by Max Baer Jr., who was uh, Jethro. Jethro. Yeah, yeah. So he he did a little bit of directing if you look him up on the IMDb. Yeah. So anyhow, our data sources uh, are Billboard magazine, where the uh, charts come from and the, what the countdown is based on. Uh, websites are allmusic.com, songfacts.com, and wikipedia.com because Mark's. Ranking the 70s by uh, Dan Isabel and Bill Carroll. That's a book. And uh, American Top 40, the KCKs in the 70s by. Pete Battistini. The episode on Sirius XM when I recorded this, uh, and I forget when I recorded it, was uh, uh, introduced by Gary Wright. Now on with the countdown. Seems kind of low. What do you think? Yeah, you could bump it up a little bit. Well, Mark and I actually hung out uh, a few days ago when, when we listened to about half the countdown together on our way back from a road trip. Yeah. And um, um, so we did kind of chit chat about this stuff. So maybe we'll just go to number 20. <laughs> <laughs> nah. So yeah. this is war, summer. And yeah. it, when Casey introduced it, he says, well, this is a little different than Lowrider and other songs that they had done. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so this one, uh, yeah, I think Casey said it was a change of pace. Uh, yeah. And um, this one peaked at number seven on the pop chart and uh, number one on the easy listening chart. Um, it's a nice one, laid back. I like the percussion, lots of stuff going on, bongos, a scratcher, plus some horns that you hear there. War formed in 1969, and they were a musical crossover band that fused elements of rock, funk, jazz, Latin rhythm, and blues, psychedelia, and, psychedelia. and reggae. War was uh, unsuccessfully nominated for introduction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2009. 
2014. Yeah. So all eight original members are still with us. Oh, wow. What are the odds of that? Yeah. Well, here's our friend, Dr. Hook again. And this is uh, a little bit more. And, uh, you know, just just to uh, remind folks that we were we were in 1976 on episode number four, uh, which we did uh, May 29th, 1976, and so there's only three repeats in that uh, in, in 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 this one from last time around, and so we'll let you know when they are. Yeah, yeah, they're all higher up in the countdown. Yeah, so. yeah, and, and it and as. Uh, Casey said there are 10 disco records in this. <laughs> yes, he did. This, one. this is not disco. What is this? Do you have anything on it? Yeah, so uh, a little bit more by Dr. Hook. Uh, this one got to number 11. It was uh, written and performed by Bobby Gosh and released on his 1973 album, Sitting in the Quiet. Um, but yeah, I think Casey might have said this group is six members from San Francisco. And this song, let's see, this song reached number two on the UK singles chart, and it was there for five consecutive weeks, being held from the top spot by uh, Elton John and Kiki D, who we'll hear from later. That was Dr. Hook's uh, second best UK chart playing, matching Sylvia's mother, which we heard before. Uh, yeah, and only surpassed by When You're In Love With A Beautiful Woman. I like that. Yeah. Um, this one, I'll say not quite 70s sap, but it's certainly a forgotten hit. <laughs> I, I didn't remember it at all. Yeah, I remembered it. Well, here's someone from the number two family band in our countdown, right? Yeah. His voice had changed by now because it's 1976. What would he have been? Probably, let's see, 18? I don't know when he was born. When was Marie born? Yeah, huh? I don't know. We'll, we'll look that up for another episode for yeah. sure. But uh, yeah, so this is Come On Marianne by Donny Osmond off his 1976 album Disco Train. I wonder <laughs> if I have this in, in Gail's uh, vinyl collection. It's got a funny looking uh, album cover. <laughs> but. Uh, Anyway, as uh, Casey said on this, producer Mike Kerr figured out that Donnie could do successful cover songs. And uh, this is a cover of the Four Seasons hit from 1967. Yeah. That version went to number nine. Um, this version isn't bad, but I think I like the original. But I don't remember either of them, to tell you the truth. Yeah. So. But, uh, and this is a really, really, really short song because I'm going to have to turn it off right about now. Yeah, so I just want to add that the, this song was the last four seasons single to reach the top 10 in the 60s. And then in the 70s, of course, they had Who Loves You. Oh, yeah. So. Well, we're on to uh, number 37 with another one of our favorites. So there it is, um, KC and the Sunshine Band off the album Part 3 in 1976, 
So this was their third of five uh, U.S. number one hits, and all their hits were written by their bass player producer, Rick Finch, and of course, uh, Harry Wayne Casey. Um, so this song was directly inspired by dance moves that the two of them witnessed in clubs. Um, they explained the bump was big back then, and every once in a while you'd see someone break loose and shake their booty like jello. <laughs> we figured, okay, how do we write a song about this? You know, say it like this. Uh, yeah, they were just collecting phrases and trying to find a buzzword to write about and, and a catchphrase, and they came up with that shake your booty. Uh, this is where you get slip disco. Yeah. <laughs> so. I remember being in, you know, grammar school back then, and booty was like the thing that kids <laughs> said. I don't know if you remember that. But then I remember, you know, I got to freshman year of high school, and I took world history, and they, they, the teacher said something about booty, and we all got hysterical, not realizing that it, it meant spoils of war. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're this great song, great artist. Yeah. Number 36. Did Casey talk about this artist beforehand? There's, I don't remember. Um, yeah. Yeah, he talked about... So this is um, Stepping Out by Neil Sadaka, and he talked about how Neil got married in 1961 to uh, Liba Strasberg, the daughter of a of the owners of a Catskill Mountain Resort where Sadaka had, had performed. And they had to keep the marriage secret for two years so as not to ruin his uh, teen idol image. And But then she became pregnant um, and it kind of became an embarrassment because on tour, she was just posing as his sister or a cousin or even his aunt. So yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. So they're both still with us. Um, he's 83 and... Uh, and still still married to Leva. So oh, good nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh Elton John does the background vocals on this song too. Well, as Tony Tennille would say, Sadak is back. Yes. And so that would have been that was a year before, right? Um Yeah. Captain and Tennille was nineteen seventy five when they were big. Yeah. And so Sadak is back. We're on to uh, number 35, and I barely remember this one. Are you ready? I could, I can hear this being sampled. Yeah. You know? We don't care what you do, just as long as you. What a great groove. Yeah. Yeah, those horns are great. Well, wow. so uh, yeah, Hoochie by the Ohio Players off their uh, 1976 album Contradiction. Uh, Casey said uh, last year the Ohio Players had three big hits. Love Roller Coaster went to number one. Good song. Um, this was the Ohio Players' last uh, number one hit on the R&B chart. Uh, the song title didn't make much sense to anyone, not even the lead singer, Leroy Sugarfoot Bonner. <laughs> what does that mean, he said? You have 
you have a great track and if you can't find anything to do with it you just do something stupid so, with the name so uh but you know it's going to be a hit because the track is great so people won't care okay the track being the music yeah okay yeah all right yeah because i was thinking the track was yeah. he gonna run track around yeah, circles that, with bruce jenner yeah that was a yeah. quote um but yeah. uh this one went to number 18. The original take uh, on this song was nearly 30 minutes long, and it was pared down to four minutes and 32 seconds for the album. And uh, Casey said the band was uh, from Dayton, Ohio, formed in 1959, and the group was originally called the Ohio Untouchables. Yeah, initially comprised of Robert Ward and Marshall Rock Jones and Clarence Satch Satchel. And a, drum, and a drummer, Cornelius Johnson. <laughs> when, when you said Robert something, I said, you know, Robert Stack from The Untouchables. <laughs> yeah. So. Wasn't there a Stacks record label? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's with an X. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I don't remember this song. This is. I, I don't cool. either, but I like it. Yeah. Good, good funk groove to it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here we're going on to number 34, and Casey said that this was disco. <laughs> And I disagree. I'd say this is more funk than disco, but I wasn't the one putting things in, you know, categories. <laughs> categories back in 1976. What do you, What do you think? Yeah, I, I don't think it's disco either. Um, so, so this is yeah, play that funky music by Wild Cherry at number 34. And it, Casey said this is a debut band, never in a countdown before. Um, Wild Cherry was a hard rock band. They had a regular gig at a club called the 2001. And with Disco Big at the time, their sound didn't go over well. After one show, uh, apparently a black audience member shouted, play some funky music, white boy. And the front man of uh, Wild Cherry, Robert Parisi, decided they should. And he wrote down the phrase on a bar pad and uh, he wrote a song about it. <laughs> well, what's interesting is is earlier, the last verse, you know, they do say disco. Yeah. So maybe that's, you know, it disco, gets down in disco or Disco something. down, yeah. Disco down. So, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but yeah. I don't know. Um, you know, this is something that the Savage Brothers, I think, would play. Yeah. So what, the Savage Brothers, right? Yeah. yeah. So what's interesting about that is the this Robert Parisi, he, he used to subscribe to Billboard magazine. And then uh, when it arrived each week, he would pick out a song or two, copy it and make it just different enough, he thought, to avoid getting sued. And after doing uh, this for a little while, he wrote this song that was the number one hit. And the song he copied apparently was Fire by the Ohio Players, which just heard from those guys. Yeah. And he said, especially with the, the bass line and the vocal stylings. So. Yeah. Okay. Nice song. Number 33. We could use some rain right about now in this area. <laughs> yeah. Did you see the editorial in the paper where the local water board you know has the reservoirs that are like 95 percent full so there's you know if it doesn't rain for another two years we're okay 
Yeah. You know, if you have if you have an you know an awkward like a well or something like that, you better be careful. Yeah. But but the paper says, oh, you gotta you gotta conserve no matter where your water comes from. What a bunch of nonsense. Yeah. Thought you weren't gonna get political. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, the little thing on my computer here down here says rain coming. So well, maybe we got. So some. did so did mine earlier. Yeah. So so this is uh, another rainy day in New York City by Chicago off Chicago X in 1976. They're already up to X, huh? Yeah. So this one's written by Robert Lamb, and it's described as. The only typical Chicago cut on the album. Uh, Peter Satira is on the vocals. This one only peaked at number 32 and was far eclipsed by If You Leave Me Now, which was off the same album. And that one would go to number one in August. Um, it, it sounds like they got those steel drums in the back of this. It does, yeah. 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 So this song quickly fell off the charts and I, I, uh, it's not surprising to me. I think it's a weak effort from Chicago. Yeah. yeah. My opinion. Yeah. <laughs> we need to fight about it. <laughs> Number 32. All right, this can go on forever. Yeah. Everyone knows this song. This is Take the Money and Run by this Steve Miller band. Yeah. What was interesting is what Casey talked about with uh, Steve Miller doing a three month European tour in 1972 with a broken neck. <laughs> Yeah. After yeah. he got rear-ended by a taxi and the local doctor said, oh, the, your neck pain was just from the flu and gave him some aspirin. <laughs> yeah. He saw a doctor in Europe during the tour months later and they discovered a hairline fracture and they told him to stay in bed and don't move. <laughs> <laughs> so this one went to number 11. Steve Miller wrote this song and it tells a Bonnie and Clyde story uh, and um, it's a it's a road trip song, so um, yeah. road trips are something you're familiar with. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Well, you know what we we finally you know for all the years that we worked together, we never went to like a test house or to a, a customer you know together and stuff like that. You know, I've I've done that with other people we work with. And, yeah, uh, and you did not go to, to on the big Puerto Rico trip with the captain. No, I did not. So, so yeah. you should have done that. That was fun. Well, yeah. actually, no, we did go out to Phoenix that we time. We did go out to Phoenix and the captain was there. And the captain was there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's funny, in my notes here, I, I had something about, uh, you know, Steve Miller, when he was a kid, his parents took him on long road trips where they listened to radio stations the whole time and sung along to their favorite songs. And I, I wrote down, sounds like the Gardos. <laughs> <laughs> well. You know, we didn't have the accordion in the car. Yeah. So, and my mother would whip out the accordion and we'd sing camp songs. Yeah. So Steve Miller, uh, the the band uh, released a 30th anniversary edition of uh, the album Fly Like an Eagle, which this was off of, and it included a bonus track that was called 
Take the Joker and Run, which was an acoustic version of Take the Money and Run sung over a version of The Joker. <laughs> yeah, I think they've played that on the deep tracks. So to go from the Steve Miller band to number 31, I think these guys are from Rhode Island. Um, yes. And, and, uh, yeah. So uh, these guys are great. They're great on the Saturday Night Fever uh, LP. Uh, yeah, there is this, you go. Is this a family band? Yeah, uh, yes, it is. So, uh, maybe they're number three. Yeah. So, Heaven Must Be Missing an Angel, Part One by Tavares. Um, and this one is got to number Tavares. Tavares, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, depends on which part of the country you're from. <laughs> <laughs> Tavares. <laughs> but uh, this one got to number 15. They were also known as the. Uh, uh, <laughs> Tavares Brothers. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they're uh, an American uh, R&B, funk, and soul music group composed of five brothers. Uh, some of them were born in New Bedford, Massachusetts, and some others were born in Providence, Rhode Island, and they would move back and forth between the two cities throughout their childhood. And the other name for the band uh, early on was uh, Chubby and the Turnpike. So I suspect that might have been after the Mass Pike they named that. Um, and um, future Aerosmith drummer Joey Kramer appeared with the group in, in a later incarnation called the Turnpikes uh, after they dropped the Chubby, I guess, uh, from fall of 1969 until September 1970 when he was invited to join Steve Tyler's band. Um, these guys, their biggest hit was uh, It Only Takes a Minute, which went to number 10 in 1975. So, that's good stuff. Number 30. This is not off the super huge, big, giant record that I think came out the next year or the year after that. This is where... This band, this blues band from the 60s, found their footing. Yeah. And as as Casey said, this girl wrote this song that she's singing. <laughs> you hear something like that? Something like that, yeah. yeah. There you go. So there it is. Uh, Say You Love Me from Fleetwood Mac off the self-titled Fleetwood Mac album in 1975. This was their third hit off the album, uh, and it was the highest debuting song this week. Uh, and yeah, Christine McVie wrote this one, and this is her singing the lead. The song peaked at number 11, and she wrote this song after her fifth year in the band while she was married to the group's bassist, John McVie. About all I had. Yeah. <laughs> you, so, you hear this one still a lot. This, so. Yeah, I mean it's it's a good song, but boy, you know, talk about drilling into the ground. You know. <laughs> Twenty-nine. Here she is again. Yeah. I did not remember this one. Did you? I did not. They just like cranked out records. Yeah. For, for this 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 lady. Yeah. So again, there's no no mistaking that voice. It's Aretha Franklin, and this is something he can feel. And uh, 
Casey talked about her being uh, born in Memphis, raised in Detroit, and her first hit is uh, was in 1961. And she's 34 years old at the time of uh, this countdown. Curtis Mayfield wrote this for the soundtrack of a 1976 musical drama called Sparkle. The film starred Lynette McKee, Irene Cara, and Dewan Smith. Irene Cara from What a Feeling? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it followed an aspiring all-girls trio struggle from fame in 60s Harlem. And uh, something he can feel was part of the group's nightclub act in the movie. The actresses behind the Motown-inspired group uh, called Sister and the Sisters expected that their song would be featured, their rendition of the song, excuse me, would be featured in the, on the soundtrack. But Curtis Mayfield had someone else in mind. You know, writing this song, he thought it had some depth and he thought that he needed someone like Aretha Franklin to sing it, so. Oh, he would know, I, yeah. I'm not. I'm not a fan of this, but uh, yeah, but uh, Curtis part of, a, part of a big catalog. Yeah, Curtis Mayfield plays uh, guitar on, on this song, and it peaked at number 18, and it was a number one R&B hit. So, yeah, I think it's a better Aretha Franklin song than some of the ones we've heard in recent episodes. Hello, yeah, All right, number 28. So, uh, <clears throat> this is when. Uh, Casey was saying how this is the time brothers from different bands were in the top 40 at the same time. So we'll be hearing from somebody later on. But this is uh, our, our good friends England Dan and John Ford Coley. Yeah. This is, uh, I'd really love to see you tonight. So yeah, that was, I didn't realize that when, when Casey talked about it. But um, yeah, it's the first time two brothers are in the chart as part of two different duos with two different hit records. And uh, the Seals family of Dallas produced the brothers. England Dan, his real name is Dan Seals, and he's the brother of Jim Seals, who we will hear a little later on. So these two guys, uh, Seals and Coley, they met in high school. This was their first single, and they followed it up with several other light favorites, including Nights Are Forever Without You and We'll Never Have to Say Goodbye Again. So this song has one of the great misheard lyrics in, in music. I'm not talking about moving in is the correct lyric, and it's often heard as I'm not talking about the linen. <laughs> the linen. <laughs> yeah, so uh, this one got to number two. That's a, I think it's a good song. You know? Yeah. You know, I, 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 I like it. It's, it's, it kind of makes you feel good. You know? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a good song. Yeah. But the next one, everyone knows that's listened to rock and roll radio the last 50 years. Or yeah. Whatever. Or 44 years. So I have we'll... quite a bit to say about this one, actually. All right, here we go. So Casey was saying how uh, this is their first big hit, but they had done another song called uh, "That's Crap." What did he say? It, it, I, I I hear it on on the deep tracks. Yeah, it's uh oh whiskey. Whiskey, yeah, the whiskey song. Yeah, yeah. But I think 
I think this band made the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame last year, didn't it? Um, I don't think no. so. Good, yeah. good question. So yeah, this is Thin Lizzy and this the boys are back in town. Yeah, so this uh, this is a band that formed in Dublin, Ireland, don't you know? And the song was uh, written by uh, group leader Phil Lynott. The boys that are back in town reflects Thin Lizzy's rough and tumble composure and working class roots. The name actually uh, for the band came from a robot character in uh, some show called The Dandy uh, uh, called Tin Lizzy, which also the, uh, the, the Model T Ford was called that. So this song went to uh, number 12 and it was their only top 40 hits, but uh, People in Manchester, England will tell you the boys are back in town is about the Quality Street Gang, a criminal enterprise not unlike the Mafia. And uh, Phil Lynott spent uh, much of his youth in Manchester, where his mom ran a club called The Showbiz. Yeah, that gang would often hang out at that club and they were always quote unquote dressed to kill. And uh, the Dino's Bar and Grill mentioned in the song is probably a real place right there yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh which one is up uh, for debate dino's was a manchester nightclub and the, the quality street gang would frequent that dino's lodge was a hollywood cabaret with uh, a dean martin theme and dean martin was a business partner uh in that and um it this uh, that shows up in the opening credits of the tv series 77 sunset strip uh, Fortunately, uh, Phil Lina, the, he, he lived the rock and roll uh, lifestyle and he died in 1986 at the age of 36 from uh, years of drug and alcohol abuse. Yeah, great song though. Um, yeah, like you said, you hear that uh, all over classic rock for sure. All right, well, we're on to uh, the daughter of one of the biggest artists of mid-century last, uh, last century. Number 26. When I first heard this, I thought someone had rewritten Fame by David Bowie. Oh, yeah. Didn't think of that, but now that you mentioned it. So the daughter of the big artist was Nat King Cole. Yes. And this is uh, the daughter, Natalie Cole, who... who it had a lot of hits in the 70s, you know, and, and you know, she was produced well. And then, of course, her big thing was, was Unforgettable, where they, you know, patched her in with her long dead father with Unforgettable and other songs. Yeah. It's, that's kind of become, I think that was the first time that was done at that scale. And it's, it's something that's been done a bit more. I, I can't come up with any. Uh, yeah. No, and now they're doing things with, you know, hologram. <laughs> holograms on stage and stuff yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so what do you think of uh sophisticated lady she's a different lady by natalie cole yeah yeah so this was her third consecutive hit here um this one was a number one soul song um and it went to number 25 on the pop chart and as you mentioned yeah she's the daughter of nat king cole her biggest hit, and Pete, you were right about this in an earlier episode, was Pink Cadillac that went to number five in 1989. And she had many hits on the soul and R&B charts. Um, she also, yes, as you said, had that hit with the cover of Unforgettable where they uh, cracked in her father. 
and did a quote-unquote virtual duet. Nat King Cole, that unforgettable, went to number 14 in 1951. I also remember Saturday Night Live did a skit making fun of uh, you know Natalie Cole singing with somebody that had passed away, like she was going to do even more albums with different artists that had passed away. And she's singing with Tammy Wynette, supposedly, and then they had somebody come in that was supposed to be Tammy Wynette saying, I'm not dead yet. <laughs> this, is how, this is how rumors get started. <laughs> if I could find that, maybe I'll put it in the show notes. Oh, oh that's good. Well, here's something from A&M Records. And no, it's not Herb Alpert. All right, this is the Carpenters. This is I need to be in love. I, yeah. I think I need to take a break. <laughs> yeah. So this one peaked right here at number 25. Richard Carpenter wrote the music for this song, and John Bettis and Albert Hammond wrote the lyrics. Um, this one stayed on the pop chart a total of eight weeks, and it was a number one adult contemporary hit. The Carpenters in general say are not my thing, but every time I hear Karen sing, it's it's just, you know, kind of haunting knowing her struggle and her young death. Similar to when you hear Jim Croce, you know? It's kind of like, it, it's as if yeah, you hear Jim it Jim Croce's a lot better than the Carpenters yeah. stuff, I, I think. Yeah. I mean, this is... That's enough. <laughs> right. Number 24. I did not remember this one. When I read the title, I thought it was that song by Rod Stewart. Uh, Young hearts, feel free Yeah, tonight. yeah, I, I did the same thing. Yeah. So there, this is Young Hearts Run Free by Candy uh, Staten. Um, this one went to number 20, and it was written by songwriter producer david crawford uh, at a time when candy staten was being forced to endure an abusive marriage with her husband uh, tyrone davis who was a former promoter and the songs about marital grief yeah she was actually uh she did a lot of sort of country type stuff and she had the title of the first lady of southern soul and um, for her uh, Grammy nominated R&B renditions of the song Stand By Your Man and In the Ghetto. And she appeared on uh, the uh, September 23rd, 1972 edition of Soul Train uh, doing this song. She's still with us. She's 82 years old and uh, she has her own website. So, IndyStatton.com. So I wonder if this is one of the 10 disco songs because you can hear that backbeat. In yeah. So is this... Playing it again for her. We're not giving her royalties then. So <laughs> we talked over it. All right, number 23. So I don't know if uh, if Walter Murphy and the Big Apple, something or other, it's cut off, or had to give any money to Beethoven either. Yeah, yeah. I wonder, are, there, are there any descendants of him? Do they have children, Beethoven? I don't know. <laughs> All I can think of is it's a different artist. That match where Raynor says, ah, bah. Yeah, you, you mentioned that before, <laughs> and I remember. So, this is a, a fifth of Beethoven by Walter Murphy and the Big Apple Band. It's a 
disco instrumental, an adaptation of Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. Uh, convenience since classical music is in the public domain and free to use, so they don't owe him any royalties. Yeah. Uh, Walter Murphy was an orchestral leader and um, he studied both classical and jazz music uh, piano at the Manhattan School of Music and uh, he was uh, one time the arranger for Doc Severinsen and the Tonight Show Orchestra oh wow and uh, yeah he, he played nearly every instrument on this song but was forced to credit an imaginary ensemble um, it landed at uh, number one on the US chart on uh, October 9th 76 ousted the following week by Disco Duck. Oh, wow. With our friend Rick Dees. Yeah, yeah. So on uh, July 26th... And I don't think Rick Dees and Casey got along. Yeah. Aren't there stories about them having fist fights? I think so, yeah. Not fist fights. (laughs) Yeah, some disagreements. But uh, so on July 27th, a few days days before this uh, countdown happened on the the British show, The Top of the Pop, season 13, episode 31, Walter Murphy's A Fifth of Beethoven was uh, danced to by a group called Ruby Flipper, a dance troupe. And uh, I'll put a link in the show notes. It's kind of funny. They got like two guys conducting like it's an orchestra and then these women just sitting in chairs dancing. (laughs) So I don't know, did did he have anything to do with Hooked on Classics, which I think came out like six to eight years later? I I don't believe so, because I didn't find anything uh, related to him on that. Yeah. Well, we're on to number two, two. And you talked about Joey Kramer earlier, so here you go. I'm kind of surprised this song, I don't know if it peaked up here. Um, It's been on the chart for eight weeks. This is Aerosmith, Last Child. Um, You never hear this play on the radio. I'm learning how to choose the right audio apps for you. Whoa. (laughs) Rudely interrupted. Rudely interrupted by my watch. Yeah, so Last Child by Aerosmith um, off their uh, album Rocks in 1976. For some reason, I had heard this one, but I thought it was newer than uh, than this. But uh, Oh, I know I've heard this song, but, yeah. but it's, you know, in your great sassafrasi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so this one, it went to number 21, so one notch higher. And uh, yeah, yeah the, the lyrics contain many clever, clever uh, double entendres and uh, Tyler, uh, he, Breaks new ground, rhyming Tallahassee with Sassafrasi, <laughs> as you said. Yeah. And the lyrics are based on the life of the band at the time, uh, all the time they spent on the road. So, speaking of on the road, on this very date that the countdown aired, July 31st, Aerosmith played the Hydroglobe Music Festival in Dayton, Ohio. It was uh, Aerosmith, Ted Nugent, Rick D- Derringer, Exile, and and then just a few days later on august 6th aerosmith played the providence civic center in providence rhode island Uh and the opening act was rory gallagher yeah (laughs) number 21. 
I mean you, I mean you, I mean you, I mean you. <laughs> you going to do that every time poor Peter has a song. <laughs> so, yeah, this is uh, Peter Frampton. Baby, I love your way. Uh, so you ruined the, this very romantic love battle. And, uh, yeah, Frampton's telling his girlfriend that he loves everything about her and wants to be with her day and night. Uh, this one went up to number 12. Interestingly, it, it went nowhere when Frampton first released it as a single in 1975, but the next year he included it on his live album, Frampton Comes Alive, and it helped it become a huge hit. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's a lot like Cheap Trick with Budokan. Yeah. You know, the, this record and the Budokan record really just took those songs, and they're good songs, but but the, the, the way that they're played live, and I don't know how much was sweetened up in the studio, you know, with this stuff, you know, like the, like all like Kiss Alive, you know, half of it was done in the studio. Yeah, they um, dubbed in the crowd and all that jazz. Well, or even you know, replaced the guitar parts. Yeah. Stuff. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, so I don't know how much of it was done here, but this is a phenomenal LP, and this is a great song. Now, now this song was part of a medley that was put out that they always used to play in the factory. Um, uh, PA system. Remember they had the music on? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah that came out in the that's... 90s or something. Yeah, you know? that's right. Yeah. Where, where they also, like, Freebird is spliced, spliced in or something. Something like that. Yeah, what was it, like, hooked on the 70s or something? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah good song. No no talk box on this, but good song. You know, yeah. Peter so, Frampton was really good. Yeah, so when this countdown aired, uh, Frampton would have been uh, recuperating from the broken ribs and bruised ego he suffered in his fall off the stage and yep. <laughs> at Colt Park when he uh, yeah. split his pants. Where the Bicentennials would have played. Yeah, and our, our friend and loyal listener Mike T was at that show. Um, so, yeah. Right around this time. We're counting down the most popular songs in the country from Hartford to Honolulu. Billboard's number 20. So this was number 17 on the chart um, nine weeks ago. This is the Andrea True Connection. More, 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 part one. And uh, I don't know, I don't remember what we talked about 10 weeks ago when we did this, but uh, it's a yeah. good song. This is disco and there you go. Yeah, uh, the one thing I think that was interesting, which we mentioned the last time is that this song was the percussion uh, was sampled by uh, the, a band called Len for Steal My Sunshine in 1999, which reached uh, number 10 on the charts. And uh, the Andrea True Connection, um, her, her full name was Andrea Marie Truden. And it was her only hit. All right, we're up to number 19. All righty. Not my way to love you just when no Is this Kung Fu's end. brother? Uh, yes, it was. My way to take your hand if I'm not sure. It's not my way to let you see what's and, um, going on. Poor, poor Hop Sang. <laughs> oh, no, he was in, in Kung Fu. <laughs> no, he was in Bonanza <laughs> on, the, on the shores of Lake Tahoe. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, so um, this is I'm Easy by Keith Carradine, who, uh, yeah, I didn't realize he had a musical career. This song was uh, actually an Academy Award winning best original song, and it was performed by uh, Keith Carradine for the 1975 movie Nashville, which he starred in. The song... I read this, but I, I don't think so. It says the song is often mistakenly associated with Jim Croce due to the similarity of Carradine's voice. I don't think so at all. But Maybe people that are tone deaf. Yeah, it, Jim Croce died uh, in a plane crash two years before Nashville was released. That's about all I have on this song. I, don't, I never saw the movie. I don't remember the movie. I don't either. So then uh, Casey and Watermark Productions slipped in a, an American Top 40 Extra, and I don't remember why, but it was won by the Three Dog Night. So so that was between number 19, and now we have number 18. I'm different today. Hey, hey. Something she said has stuck in my head and I can't So it was Gail... Uh, Old enough not to have a crush on this guy. Yeah, I don't think she uh, she did. She liked she liked Saturday Night Fever, the movie. Uh-huh. Actually, I, that is a good movie. Did you ever see it? No. no. So so this is a letter in by the star of Saturday Night Fever, but this at this time he was the star of Welcome Back, Cotter, and that's John Travolta. Mr. Cotter. Um. So he was uh, he was a big deal at this time in 1976. So he was 22 years old, starring in that TV show. He also had a mane of hair at that point. In time. Yeah, was it fake then? I don't know, but uh, he had also appeared in the mo- uh, a few movies, including Carrie. Um, and this song was the beginning of his music career, which uh, culminated in his performance on the Grease soundtrack. Uh, a while later. Um, and this one was written by a British songwriter named Gary Benson. And Travolta performed the song on uh, the April 10th, 1976 episode of American Bandstand. I'll, I'll throw a link to that in the uh, show notes. Uh, well, speaking of speaking of Benson. Different Benson. Yeah. Not Robert Guillaume Benson. <laughs> no. <laughs> when you said that, you know, Rob was it Robert Benson? Did you say his name was? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, hold on a minute. I looked at my paper, <laughs> and uh, of course, this is George Benson, and not George Jefferson. And this is this masquerade. I think Casey said this was a uh, a cover, right? Um, um, anything about this? I don't. I don't think it was. But um, it, it, it was covered by other artists. So this, uh, yeah, this is uh, this masquerade by George Benson off his uh, album Breezen in 1976. This one went to number 10. And uh, actually, yeah, it was a cover. Uh, Leon Russell wrote this song. Oh, he, yeah. He, he wrote originally released it uh, as a B-side of his uh, 1972 hit Tightrope. But... Um, yeah, George Benson, of course, well-respected jazz guitarist. Uh, uh, when he released uh, this album, Breezin, that uh, you use already, uh, uh, 
big jazz star. Most of the album was uh, typical of his jazz guitar style, but this song, which was the only one in the album containing vocals, became his first hit on the pop charts. Um, and then he did on Broadway after this. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which uh, is great. Other, I mean, he's got a great voice. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. Other artists to record this song include the Carpenters, Shirley ba Basie, Robert Goulet, Helen Reddy, and Kenny Rogers. Those are, those I, are I, stars. The, the Carpenters version of this is actually not bad. I, I, I kind of think that one's all right. Um, George is still with us. He's seventy-nine. Uh, he's you know fantastically accomplished musician who's been a a sideman or guested with tons of other artists. Go look at his Wikipedia page. But he has other hits in the 70s, uh, including On Broadway, as we mentioned, Love Ballad, The Greatest Love of All. And uh, he also had big hits in the early 80s with Give Me the Night and Turn Your oh, Love yeah. Around. Oh, yeah. those are great songs. Yeah. Those two songs are, are fantastic. Yeah. The other two that you mentioned, I didn't remember. So. Yeah, I did. And um, on July 30th, just uh, a day before this countdown, he was on the Midnight Special, season four, episode 38. He did this masquerade and also the, uh, the tune Breeze in the title track off the album. So probably put a link to that as well. That's that's up there on the YouTube for you to watch. All right. Well, now we're going on to number 16. Let's go to England. Well, this song is played on, it's probably played on mom rock, like WHCN now, you know? <laughs> yeah. There it is, my best friend by the by the Queen. Yeah, so off uh, A Night at the Opera album from uh, 1976. This one went to number 16, and this one was written by uh, Queen's bass player, John Deacon, and it's about his wife. He enjoyed a rather quiet home life, and uh, in the early days of the group, he was supposedly very shy and quiet, and he was unwilling to put his song suggestions forward. And then after Freddie Mercury died, Deacon became kind of a recluse. He retired from music and has declined to tour with the band on their subsequent tours with uh, Paul Rogers and Adam Lambert. But the band still remains in contact with him, and they run decisions by him. According to Brian May, the rule is that if Deacon does not reply to an email, that that's his way of saying he approves of whatever <laughs> they're asking him. <laughs> I wish I could be that way at work. At, at work, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that reply. called ghosting? You know, <laughs> I I don't know if there's a name for that, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so all I remember is my cousin Stevie got what uh, got married probably 1993. And this song was played at the reception, and uh, you know, hers didn't last. Stevie's since been re remarried and is with uh, with Jane now, and wonderful lady. Just be careful when you play that song at your wedding. <laughs> Number fifteen. <laughs> Yeah, 
Yeah. So this is a tear the roof off the sucker, parentheses, give up the funk by Parliament. So it's off to their 1975 album, Mothership Connection. And Casey said it had been 10 years since Parliament's previous hit. They were an 11-member group formed in 1966, and they were a funk band formed uh, by George Clinton um, as part of what they called the Parliament Funkadelic Collective. Parliament was uh, more commercial and less rock-oriented than the sister act of Funkadelics. But uh, they, they kind of drew on science fiction and outlandish theatrics in their work. So the I'll put a link in the show notes. The the cover for the uh, for the single, it looks like like they're dressed in like kiss costumes or something. It's kind of funny. But yeah, so this uh, this is a recognizable song for sure. And uh, a couple of artists have uh, sampled it, including Snoop Dogg and some artist named Heavy D on his 1989 song, More Bounce. So, uh, <laughs> and uh, this one's been used in a few commercials. And uh, speaking of commercials, I think we may have a sponsor this week. Backpack, $20. Being with people who understand you, priceless. There are some things money can't buy. For discount stores, there's MasterCard. Well, that makes me want to go out and buy that product. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're up to we're up to number fourteen. A finer endorsement I've never heard. <laughs> Does advertising even work? I mean, am I too old to be swayed by advertising? Yeah, I everybody likes to say it doesn't work, but you know, subconsciously I think it does. Yeah. This this song kind of reminds me of uh, who's the lady from Miami, the Miami Sound Machine, Gloria Estevan. Did she do this song? Yeah, she did a nearly identical cover version in 1994. Um, okay. And uh, her version w- was a number one dance hit and went to number 13 on the Billboard chart. Uh, so this is, yeah, Turn the Beat Around by Vicki Sue Robinson. And um, Casey said she's a 24-year-old at this time and who makes her home in New York City. And this was her only hit. It, it, uh, it got to number 10. She, prior to recording this, she performed on Broadway. He also later had a successful off-Broadway uh, one-woman show. She also sang in some commercials, including We're All Connected spot for New York Telephone. And she did background vocals on the hit uh, Fame, which uh, we mentioned Irene Cara earlier. Yep, yep. So, uh, she got her start in uh, showbiz by joining the cast of the stage musical Hair. Talk about that, yeah. It was also in Jesus Christ Superstar. Talk about that. Sadly, she died of cancer in, in uh, April of 2000, only at the age of 45. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. But the, the term turn the beat around means to start a drum pattern over. And, uh, this earned her a Grammy nomination for Best Pop Female Vocal. Yeah. 
there's your percussion. It's bongos. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. and this this is you know, uh, Miss Gloria Estevan. He's almost a carbon copy. Hmm. All right, number thirteen. The golden throat of Lou Rawls. I wish I could play the piano like this. <laughs> I wish I could sing like that, too. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes when I have a cold, I get a little deep voice going on. <laughs> yeah, so this is a You'll Never Find Another Love Like Mine. Lou Rawls on off his album all things in time from 1976 this one went to number two big song um it's a gamble and huff song who else uh yeah, and they wrote it specifically yeah. for uh, lou rawls the track helped lure him over from um uh, to the philadelphia international label and he was impressed that they took the time to understand his voice and write something to suit him he had had a bad experience with his previous labels, uh, Capital and MGM, and was happy to find a good fit in uh, Philly International. Um, I read that this was a, a favorite in uh, roller skating rinks. Um, the breakout hit for Lou Rawls, uh, though he'd been releasing singles and charting in the top 40 for a full decade, this was his first visit to the top 10 and his first number one on multiple charts. Um, yeah, fortunately, Lou passed away uh, January 6, 2006, at the age of 72. Big talent he was, though. Great, great song. Gamble and Huff. How many times have we mentioned them? I'm kidding. Yeah, that Philly soul is just just great. If you know what I mean. <laughs> when the night returns just like a friend. All right. Neil Diamond, when the if you know what I mean. Me free. Yeah, I don't remember this one, but... Sorry, Neil. I just, I, I, he cut him off what? after Casey said he was a Brooklyn boy made good. <laughs> Did you have anything else to say about Neil Diamond in that song? Uh, I'm sorry not, if I not a lot. did all this research. Yeah. You know, uh, come on. Ugh. All right. <laughs> do, you, do you have any? I, I can go backwards. No, we're fine. Let's, let's move forward. Okay. Neil won't mind. <laughs> well, he'll be on again, okay? Yeah. Forever in blue jeans. Ugh. Oh my gosh. You know? All right. Well, of course, this is the Bee Gees. This is uh, You Should Be Dancing. And uh, five weeks on the chart. Uh, last week was number 11. Uh, so this is on its way down, I guess. No, it was at 11 last week. So it maybe peaked here. What do you got? Yeah. So the. Um... It, 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 this would actually hit number one in September of 76. Oh. Yeah. So it kind of stalled. Yeah. Saturday Night Fever didn't hit the theaters until December of uh, 77. So the song was used, of course, in the famous uh, scene in the movie where Travolta takes over the dance floor. And it was, yeah, in the, in the movie soundtrack, along with five other songs performed by the Bee Gees. Plus another one they wrote, If I Can't Have You, that was done by Yvonne Elliman. Um, this, uh, the album, uh, the children of the, excuse me, the Saturday Night Fever uh, 
album sold over 15 million copies and it, it marked the Bee Gees as a disco act even though their earlier output was uh, more classified as blue-eyed soul and decades later um, you know some people in the new generation discovered the group's earlier work and uh, the disco moniker began to fade a little bit but uh, Barry Gibb he, he kind of was not, not so happy that they were known as uh, so much of a disco act, even though, you know, it was their bread and butter. Sorry, Barry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have a sort of personal thing about that Saturday Night Fever soundtrack, though. I think it was either Christmas of either 1977 or 78, and my sister got me that soundtrack on a cassette tape. And I remember before I opened the present, uh, my brothers were warning me, uh, you won't believe what she got you. And then I scoffed when I opened it and my sister lamented that she thought I liked disco. <laughs> As you were wearing your Disco Sucks t-shirt yeah. Christmas morning. So I have to say, you know, well, you know, thanks, sis. I, I mean, since I handed in my Disco Sucks card a few weeks ago, I, I think I probably appreciate it more now. <laughs> All right, we're we're into the top 10. Someone knocking at the door. Somebody ringing the bell. Someone's knocking at the door. Guy sounds a little familiar. Somebody's ringing the bell. Yeah. Do me a favor. Open the door. I let him in. So yeah, Let Them In by Wings um, off the Wings at the Speed of Sound album, 1976. This one went to number three, and uh, McCartney shouts out several of his relatives and friends in this song. Uh, his aunt, Auntie Jin, his brother, Brother Michael, and the Everly Brothers, Phil and Don, and Keith Moon, it's called Uncle Ernie, <laughs> and his uh, famous former band, mate uh, brother john uh, his reference to sister susie was a reference to his wife linda who once recorded a song under the name susie and the red stripes um, so silly love songs um, was one of the two singles released uh, from the wings at the speed of sound album um, and that one uh, went to number one this uh, album, too, was the fourth consecutive Wings album to go to number one on the album charts as well. Well, I remember because my father's name was Ernie and he was Uncle Ernie. Ah, okay. There you go. And, and then I thought there was a somewhere in here a line about Sue and Don. And Sue is my father's sister and her husband's Don. That's Uncle Don, who I went shopping with when I turned five years old. And he said I couldn't get a you know, a, you know, a, a fake a six shooter and oh, yeah. a shaving kit. And their son is Stevie. Ah, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Oh, I remember Phil this and one. Don. That's the Everly Brothers. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, as wing songs go, I, I kind of thought this, was a, this one was all right back in the day. In, in a way, this is kind of a list song. All yeah. Right? And yeah. list songs, you know, the, the biggest list song is that Billy Joel song, We Can't Start the Fire. Okay. Oh, yeah. And But there's other list songs, and this yeah. is kind of a list song. And, you know. 
All right. So this next song, number uh, <clears throat> number nine, was was on the chart. It was the number thirty nine weeks ago. Your favorite word, Johnson. <laughs> It's on AM AM Records also, like the Carpenters. Yeah. So this is I'll Be Good to You by the Brothers Johnson. <laughs> Speaking of which, I before the podcast I was looking up, you know, where Carson City, Nevada was <laughs> mm -hmm. for the Bonanza reference. And um to the south of it, there's a town called Johnson Lane. So there you go. <laughs> Um, yeah, so this one was on our, our episode four from uh, uh, May of 1976, where it was number 30. And I said I liked the, the uh, section of the song where they do that fat Albert growl. <laughs> but uh, Casey mentioned this song was produced by Quincy Jones, and it went to number one on the soul chart. And um, yeah, the Brothers Johnson, they were uh, American musicians. George Lightning Licks Johnson and Lewis E. Johnson, also known as Thunder Thumbs. They were ages uh, 23 and 20 at this time. And uh, they also had the hit Strawberry Letter 23 and Stomp. Oh yeah, I remember the 23. <laughs> I'm gonna put a link to their picture on the Wikipedia page for them from 1976 because uh, this, like that other band we mentioned in the last episode they have some huge afros it's a sign of the 1970s i, I wonder if those short shorts that they used to use in you know the nba basketball ever come back because the, the, the afros have come back a little bit in recent years too but uh yeah unfortunately uh lewis johnson passed away in 2015 at the age of 60. Ooh, that's um, right. and uh he was the session bass player on the biggest selling album of all time, which was what? Thriller. Yep, Michael Jackson's Thriller. And, uh, George Johnson is still with us. He, he's, uh, he'd be 69. A little bit more about those guys. Didn't get into the who they were back in the, the other episode. So here we have back-to-back -back songs by, as Casey was talking about, two of the biggest acts of the 60s and what's interesting is the second band uh, did this song which was a chuck berry song yes so it's interesting i heard uh today um on uh on deep tracks i was listening and I, I don't know if you can see it here the one after 909 which was on the that the beatles did on the rooftop which was a song that they wrote like in 1960 one of the first songs that they did and you know i'd forgotten that song and and i went down a rabbit hole about how about the red album and the blue album right because the blue album was great and had a lot of songs that that um didn't show up uh, uh on lps you know there were b-sides and such and the red album and the blue album from the beatles said to Capitol records oh we need to mine the the beach boys and they put out um american summer in america or whatever that lp was uh, and and, and then uh, the next song <clears throat> by 
the bigger band from the 60s also came off a compilation you know uh and we'll get to that in a second but you you know beach boys you know james watts doesn't like them but what what do you what do you have on this anything else yeah not much just like you said it was uh, originally a chuck berry hit that went to number eight in 1957 this one actually reached uh, number five on the u.s charts um and rock roll music yeah i guess the the there's a difference between the l version and the single version the single version has more synthesizer i can never say that <laughs> um, yeah. and of course yeah you said it was also covered by the beatles who recorded it on chuck berry's 38th birthday when they needed an additional track um for now I, it said it was for the album beatles for sale but i think that album was had a different well, name the in the english US. version and yeah. the u.s version it's all confusing it's yeah. there but we we will go to the beatles so when this record came out i was on that epic trip to the midwest okay and you know i i didn't know the song was recorded in the 60s i thought it was brand new you know maybe it was Clatu that was doing it all right because in a way it kind of sounds like earth wind and fire okay of the day okay. and uh but i was you know what was i 11 years old what did i know okay so beatles yeah so it was originally on the uh revolver album in 1966 really yeah yeah i don't remember it on revolver that's what i that's what i read i should i go upstairs to my record collection and look at my <laughs> i don't know maybe it was the british version of, Re of revolver because i don't think it was on the american version perhaps maybe yeah maybe not um but doesn't but, it sound like you know yeah supposedly i read that this song is actually about marijuana Paul McCartney talked about it and he explained that uh, at the time he had a big desire to smoke pot. <laughs> I didn't get that ever until I just read that, so I, it was lost on me. Um, but the single version, yeah, it, it, it wasn't issued until 1976. But I don't think this is on Revolver. I've listened to Revolver. Maybe I'm Maybe yeah. I haven't listened to Revolver. They must have. Re it was released on an album, though. So, yeah. Really? Again, this is what I read. The, the sources could be wrong. So, so this was the um, this this went to um, number seven, right where it is, and it was the first Beatles song to chart in the U.S. since 1970. So, Revolver came out in 1966. All right. And I'm looking at it right here. A lot of stuff because it was a big record. Klaus Vorman did the cover, if I remember. Oh, yeah, it says here it was track six on side two. Okay. All right. I'm wrong. You're right. You are great. I am great. Colleagues. Colleagues laughing behind my back at the boy wonder. And becoming famous, building on my work. Building on my work. Well, here's... Uh, Mr. Seal's uh, brother. Right? Yeah. Featuring somebody. Carolyn somebody. 
Yeah. Willis. What you talking about, Willis? So this is yeah, Get Closer by Seals and Crofts featuring Carol Lynn Willis off the Willis or Willis? Willis. With yeah. a W. Okay. Yeah. Off their album titled Get Closer from 1976. It, it, just a side note, at this time Casey mentioned the great radio stations that you can hear AT40 on like WICH in Norwich. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so uh, Jim Seals and Dash Cross wrote this song together. This one went to number six. And the guest star on the backing vocals, Carolyn Willis. Um, right there. Yeah, I can hear yeah. her. Yeah. You, you might remember her from the late 60s, early 70s uh, R&B vocal trio, The Honeycomb. I don't remember that, but um, she was best known for the 1971 single, Wanat, which did show oh, up yeah. in our countdown before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. OK. Yeah. So this, um, this recording came along um, shortly after Seals and Croft played the famous California Jam Concert of 1974, where they shared the stage with Black Sabbath, The Eagles, uh, ELP, Deep Purple, and Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was broadcast on uh, an ABC special, and it gave these two guys newfound fame. Um, and the album cover for this, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes for this too, because it's, it's pretty funny. It looks like something that, you know, would come from like Cheech and Chong. <laughs> nice song. So, as Casey said, we have two 29 year old friends from England doing this song. And this is a big song. Yeah. By uh, Elton John featuring Kiki D. And they, they actually did this in Live Aid, uh, I think eight years later. Was that 1994, or was that 84, or was that 86? When was Live Aid? I think it was 84, right? I, I would say 84. I think it was 84, yeah. yeah. And uh, so 20, what, what is this? How many years are we from 1976 now? Uh, 46 years ago, so 46 plus 29. Wow, they're old. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think there's, I think Kiki D's still with us. We know that Sir Elton John is with us, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so this is Don't Go Breaking My Heart, which I just mirrored. <laughs> but uh, yeah, at only three weeks on the chart, and this one was uh, moving up quick. It was at number five here, and it would hit number one. Um, it was the second biggest selling record of 1976 in both uh, the U.S. and the U.K. Silly Love Songs was the, the, the bigger record um, that, that beat it out. Um, and uh, so Kiki D explained about this song. Both Elton and her were big fans of the duets uh, from the Motown era, like uh, Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell. Mm -hmm. And there hadn't been any around for a little while, so they thought they'd do a, a song like that for themselves. Kiki D's real name is uh, Pauline Matthews. Uh, she's English, don't you know, as we mentioned. And, uh, <laughs> she was known for her blue-eyed soul vocals. Um, she was the first female singer from the UK to sign with Motown's Tamala Records. And she was best known for a 1973 hit, Amaroos, 
um, and her 1974 hit, I've Got the Music in Me. Oh, now, that one I remember, the yeah. first one I remember. Yeah. She's still with us. She's uh, 75 years young. Okay, so that uh, means Elton John's that age, yeah. too. And they, right around this time, they were uh, on the show, the, the UK show Top of the Pops. Um, on July 27th, they performed this song. Oh, great. Nice song. Number four. So I think these, this band was the uh, backing band for Don Duchendorf, right? Yeah, that's correct. This Otherwise was known as? John Denver. John Denver. And uh, this is a huge song in the summer of 1976. I remember it, it was on a lot. Kind yeah. Of I'm sure you have lots of notes on this other than it's gross. Um, yeah, I do a little <laughs> bit. So this is the Afternoon Delight by the Starland Vocal Band. The reason you think it's gross is because it's a double entendre song. Uh, it's actually named after the late afternoon appetizer menu at the restaurant Clyde's of Georgetown in Washington, D.C. And there's a gold record of this song hanging in the bar there that place is still around but oh uh, really next time in yeah. dc i'll have to that's go. the official explanation you know the other explanation is it's about daytime sex but uh, <laughs> but uh yeah apparently the menu in that restaurant had uh a heading that read afternoon delights <laughs> So one of the things about this song is when they say afternoon light and they go in the in the guitar goes Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this was their their only hit and they won the Grammy for Best New Artist of nineteen seventy six, beating out Boston. Wow. <laughs> Believe it or wow. not. The did, song did, got to did, Oh, go ahead. Did, didn't they have like a show on ABC? Yeah, yeah, I was gonna get to that actually. Okay. So the I'm song sorry. got to number one, and but uh, despite this being their only hit, they were given their own summer replacement TV series. It was actually on CBS it's okay. called The Starland Vocal Band. <laughs> was that in, <laughs> in 1977? This summer? Okay, so the next year. So, yeah. but yeah, and it was hosted by an unknown comic at the time named David Letterman. Uh, the the show uh, ran for one season, six episodes. The link to episode one will be in the show notes because I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of remembered it, and it's funny to see David Letterman because he's got his same shtick, but I guess it wasn't didn't go over back then. <laughs> oh, that's that's good. Well, he's he's a big part. The, the beginning culture. of the show, they're they're all uh, on top of a van singing this song. It's kind of funny. <laughs> the wind blew some luck in my direction. I caught it in my hands today. So we heard this one before. Yeah, so this is a Starbuck. Moonlight feels right. Uh, it was number 34 in the uh, previous episode, episode number three. And I, I stick to my previous comments about it, the fantastic xylophone solo. Um, oh yeah. yeah, I remember when it was on number 26, like you said, uh, 10 weeks ago. Yeah, um, this was their only hit, Here but it is. they 
they would also make a lot of money off of burnt coffee and <laughs> overpriced burnt coffee, I'll say. <laughs> uh, so it was written by uh, Starbucks keyboardist, uh, vocalist, and producer Bruce Blackman. And the group formed in Atlanta in 1974 around the talents of Blackman and a uh, marimba player named Bo Wagner. When this song was on Casey Kasem's American Top 40 radio show, I, I, I read this, so I don't know which episode, it was promoted as the first rock song ever to feature a marimba. Well, maybe we'll get to uh, to that episode at some point in time, unless we missed it. So these guys did chart other songs on the uh, Billboard 100. They had a number 38 hit in 1977 with Everybody Dancing. I, I don't remember that one. But, but uh, if you if you recall from the uh, our previous episode where we talked about them, go to MoonlightFeelsRight.com. That was their uh, ah, and, and and they'll they'll you know that that was uh, big. Uh, in the previous episode. I yeah. just remembered that. I don't know how. Good song. Yeah. Yeah, I always like this one. Good vibe to it. So this gentleman was in our countdown uh, nine weeks ago with a different song, much like Wings was and Queen and Peter Frampton and Fleetwood Mac and Neil Sedaka. So, uh, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six six repeats of uh of artists with different songs and three repeats of songs which is pretty good big turnover yeah yep so this is uh love is alive by gary wright and um yeah this one it peaked right here at number two and uh gary wright is known for his role in helping establish the synthesizer as a leading instrument in rock and pop music. And uh, this, of course, was his, uh, this was off the Dreamweaver album, 1975. It was his breakthrough album. And that came after he spent seven years in London, um, alternately a member of the British blues rock band, Spooky Tooth. Spooky Tooth. Ooh, yep. And a solo artist on A&M Records. Uh, and of course, uh, Gary Wright opened for Peter Frampton in the famous local concert at Colt Park we mentioned earlier <laughs> that our friend uh, Mike T attended. Yeah. So. Well, he was also... Uh... Uh, okay, go ahead. Uh, just uh, Mike T said when Gary Wright did Dreamweaver, he said it sounded awesome outside in that venue. Yeah. Okay. And... Uh, yeah. So this song, uh, oh, what were you going to say? I'm sorry. Well, Gary Wright was also friends with uh, uh, George Harrison. And I uh, I have an interview, or he did a he did a show on uh, XM Radio probably 15 years ago that I recorded, because I love this record. This is a big record in my yeah. family. And, uh, and Gary Wright talked about uh, some Indian, you know, no, South Asia thing that, Gary that, that uh, uh, George Harrison got him into and in the words of this Swami or whatever that he was was Dreamweaver and he wrote it down now that's that song not this song hmm. but uh, I, I found it interesting that Gary you know hung out with uh, with, with George so. yeah so this song this song's been covered quite a bit by other artists I, although I don't think I've ever heard their version I haven't either Olivia Newton-John did it Shaka Khan 
Joe Cocker, Richie Havens, and Celine Dion. Um, and uh, it's good company. So just the day before this countdown, the July 30th midnight special, season four, episode 38, had uh, Gary Wright, and he, he performed this song and also uh, Dreamweaver. And uh, he's still with us. He's 79 years old. I think he's been on uh, in the Ringo's All Star Band. Oh, really? Still performing then too? Well, I don't know if it's recently, but but I think I think he's you know been on it like Joel Wall. I mean, Ringo's band is is great, you know. Yeah. And our our good friend Billy Preston, of course, was was in it. Here we are. Let's review the other charts as I as we start this song. This has got to be the sad. So the number one soul song was Lou Rawls, "You'll Never Find." I called you here today. The number one country song was Red Sovereign. The song Teddy Bear, which I didn't remember. And the number one LP was Breezing by George Benson. Because so, uh, my obligations. And the, and the number one record label this week was Capitol with six songs in the top 40. We've been meeting here. So, so this song is uh, another repeat from the previous episode. Uh, oh, is it? Yeah, that's, that's what I had. It was... Uh, Number 36. That's embarrassing. That's all right. I got you covered. So number three. Yeah, you're right. So we had four repeats. Error. Law. Imperfection. Must. Sterilize. So this is a kiss and say goodbye by the Manhattans. Um, And I think we mentioned in the other episode that uh, UB40 covered this song in 2005, and they had a, a number 19 UK hit with their version. Uh, and the Manhattans had another big hit in 1980 with Shining Star that went to number five. And another top 40 hit in the 70s called uh, Don't Take Your Love. And that hit number 37 in 1974. Uh, I was just looking at them. Um, on the, on the Wikipedia, they had a, a, a few more top 100 songs and many big songs on the R&B charts. So. That's about all I had, though. Very good for them. Number one. It's hard to be the number one song. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and they did it. And, it, you know, climb the charts. Like we said, it started at uh, 36. Yeah. Um, maybe not started, but in a previous episode, that's where it was. All right. So that was it. Oh, my gosh. It's already over? Yeah. It's, uh, all righty. So this is the point in our podcast, I should say, that we uh, do our ratings and things. And we always start off with... Your agonizer, please. No, Mr. Slug! night returns just like a friend. I hope this tortures you. When the evening comes to set yeah, yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't uh, leave this on the on the radio if it was playing. <laughs> well, the thing is, is I had four songs that I wrote A next to, and this was the top of in the charts of my A's. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Do, do you so, want to share the others? Sure, I, I can do that. Let's see if I can. I don't mess up like them, just but, did. Yeah. Well, you know what? Let's see if you can guess what they are. You ready? Yeah. Okay, that's the Carpenters. Yep. And then... 
It's not my way to love you, Jerry. Okay. Kung Fu's brother. Yeah. <laughs> I'm different today. Hey, hey. You remember this one? Something she said has stuck in my Is this the uh, Dr. Hook one? Ooh, 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 ooh. Stigata. Oh no, that's oh yeah, gonna let her in. Oh okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, so, okay, so, so that's those are the other three that I had A next to. So uh, I actually what's my had, agonizer. Yeah, I actually had none of those for your agonizer. Oh no way. And I I had uh, number thirty nine a little bit more by Doctor Hook. And and I'm thinking it would be agony for you if you paid attention to the lyrics because it's pretty icky. <laughs> but uh, surprisingly, yeah, those those it was none of those that uh, that you picked for me. But I, you know, I, I typically don't listen to the boards. <laughs> Sometimes I do. Yeah. So I do now that I'm older. I pay attention to the lyrics. Well, you got time. You got yeah. time on your side, man. You know? So. All right. So that's my agonizer for you. Yeah. Okay. We, I think we fumbled through that category this week. We'll, we'll do better next time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we will. So. Yeah. Best song of the countdown. Well, got I something? Pick, yeah. I picked number five. Okay. Interesting. Good song. Uh, yeah. yeah. I pick number 27, The Boys Are Back in Town. I think that song is put together great. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it, it may be played into the ground too, but uh, I think it's great. I had some runners up though. I thought actually Summer by War was really good. Masquerade is fantastic by George Benson. Play that funky music's a good song, as well as uh, "Take the Money and Run." So. Well, I'm I'm sorry for the for the worst song of the week for me. I I it's also what I picked for your agonizer. Isn't this the one I? I yeah, turned? you cut that one short, so it was um. Yeah. It, so it, hopefully it would rub you the wrong way that it rubs me. So. Um. It, it, yeah, it's uh. I don't like it, but it's not my worst song. Oh, no. I picked number 18, Gonna Let Her In. So, sorry, uh, John Travolta fans. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I kind of think this has no business being in the top 40. Because John Travolta time. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he's in the cover of Tiger Magazine and Team Beat. Yeah. And- so. But I, I had for runners up as the worst one, the uh, that Dr. Hook one I mentioned before a little bit yeah. more. And uh, I'm easy to uh, that, yeah. that one. Yeah. I, I don't like much. So. Since I got it queued up, here's my guilty pleasure. I love this song. Yeah, I, I love it too. I mean, I, um, I wouldn't put it as a guilty pleasure because I outright like it. And well, I, it's a guilty I, pleasure because it's out of your wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, fair enough. Yeah. I just love the piano. Like I, I love said, the I, whole thing. The voice, the melody, the piano. It's really good. All right. All right. My guilty pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, again, because I talked about the Christmas gift. 
Um, number 11, You Should Be Dancing. I think that could be the best BG song. You know, as, as the Bee Gees hits went with the disco era, I didn't like most of them, but this one, you know, this one's got some funk and some beat. Yeah. No, well, you know, you and have again, memories. guilty pleasure, right? Those measures, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no fooling. Burned my disco card. All right, story song of the week. Yeah. I, I think there was no question with that. Uh, any other possibilities did you think of? No, it it's, was such a story song. I made that clip. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'll, I will send I will send you that clip. But when when something starts off with, you know, yeah, oh yeah, I'll, I'll grab that. Yeah, I'll, I'll send I, it to you. Should I use it for? <laughs> well, I I did it. Yeah, you know, we can you can use it in the future. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I had the same one, but I I actually thought. You know, if this song wasn't in the countdown, then play that funky music. Tells the story about, you know, just when it hit them, someone uh, turned around and said, play that funky music. So, <laughs> yeah. so, uh, so we, while we let this go, uh, what are your diversion songs? Yeah, so this was um, not hard, but it, it's kind of funny because I picked two songs that were in the countdown next to each other. And I had number 31, Heaven Must Be Missing an Angel, and number 32, Take the Money and Run, because one's describing this woman as being angelic, and the other one's describing the woman as a Bonnie and Clyde-type bank robber. Uh, and I had I had a runner-up uh, duo, but I'll let you go next. Well, mine is number 18, Let Her In, and number 10, Let Him In. <laughs> I, I sort of had a feeling you might pick that because of the titles. <laughs> I, I I contemplated that as well. They're def definitely two different songs for sure. Oh, they're, they're different, but, you know, it's only different by a tick and an L and a T and an M. <laughs> yeah. Right? And maybe Paul McCartney wanted to do Letter In, but John Travolta beat him to it. And so instead of doing a nursery rhyme, he did that. My runners up if you will for divergence were also two that were next to each other uh number four afternoon delight and number three moonlight feels right because one's about love in the afternoon and one's about love under the moonlight at night <laughs> uh, okay so so what would you do rating this countdown so i gave it a solid a part of the reason I did that was I trying to get a little bit more uh, scientific, if you will. <laughs> what I did is I I went through each song and I put a a grade on it. Was it a good song? Was it a neutral song? Was it a bad song? Or was it '70s sap? Uh, and so in this countdown, did you I do a Pareto chart? It's kind of a Pareto chart. Oh, we yeah. have to go to ECAB with this? Yeah, yeah. In those ratings, I had 25 good songs, mm -hmm. eight bad songs, seven neutrals, and I didn't label anything 70s sap, although there were a couple that were right maybe on the Maybe ones that you were bad that you couldn't call sap. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So with 25 good songs, that's a good countdown. That's why I... Gave it an A. That's a solid A. Wow. Because yeah. I have written down here, 
B plus slash A minus. And you know what? I'm going to push this into A minus land. Yeah. Um, because I, it's it's pretty darn good. All right. I only yeah. found four agonizers. Yeah. I mean, some of the good songs in this in this chart are really good songs. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah. 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 So. Like the one we're listening to now in the yeah. background of grading it, you know? This is great. You know, that Lou Rawls song. That, oh, yeah. yeah. That was great. Love is Alive. Moonlight mm -hmm. Feels Right. Turn the Beat Around. Um, Tavares. Summer. That's a great song. Take the Money and Run, of course. Yeah, Boys Are Back. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. So it's interesting because looking at our rating from that uh, previous episode. Which is A and a B. Uh, you gave the previous one an A, I give it a B. Yeah, yeah. So I must like this uh, sort of 76 area from my memory that this countdown was better than that one in terms of the really? it, but i don't i don't know i'd have to go back and and judge that one in my new method <laughs> yeah well <clears throat> this is before we got into deep disco okay? yeah but 76 was definitely better than 75 okay when we listened to the countdown in 1975 it's like oh my god yeah in, in fact that... late 74 it's really Fact, my lowest rating, I think, was from that uh, June 21st, uh, 1975 episode. Yeah. 71 and 72, I give low low ratings. Yeah, you got a B minus for that 621, 75, though. Yeah. Yeah. So. And before we started this, I thought I thought 75 was going to be horrendous. <laughs> but yeah. 76 got better. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, you know, it's a bicentennial. America's thinking good about itself, even though they have a bunch of Englishmen on the chart. Nope, nope. No one in Dutch this week. So, uh, uh, <laughs> do we have to fix anybody's wagon? <laughs> all right. So with that uh, all being said, uh, you know, what would Casey say? Yeah. So as uh, Casey might say, um, until next time. Keep me hanging on and reach out and touch somebody's hand. All, All right. right, Mark. Have a good evening. You too.